I don't know about you, but I love making New Year's resolutions. Now, I know it's, it's a weird thing to bring this up uh, when we are uh, in August, going into the fall season, but also I think it is relevant, especially for a younger crowd, uh, especially if you're going back to school. Uh, this is a good time to think about what you want to do in this new, new school year. I think a lot of people are working as well when you go to the fall. It's kind of a different season, right? Summer is kind of vacation time. You relax, but now it's time to get back to work. Um, Now, according to statistics, it says that about one out of four people actually make New Year's resolutions. I think a big part of that is because, like, we have a hard time keeping our resolutions. Uh, But I still think it's incredibly beneficial if we do this in practice because it helps us to examine our life. When you're looking back um, in the past year and you're setting goals for the new year, you kind of see where your bad habits are. You kind of see where you want to go as far as you growing as a person. And so I think it has a lot lot of good things in, in, um, in it, in this practice. But according to one survey, it says that the number one New Year's resolution in America in 2022 was exercise more. That was the number one New Year's resolution that was made by Americans. Number two is eat healthier. Number three is lose weight. So number one, two, and three all have to do with physical health. And so two things become very very clear. People know that physical health is very important, that if, that if they stay healthy, if their body is able to do certain things, then it impacts everything else that they do in life. So a lot of people are concerned about their health. But at the same time, this survey reveals that a lot of people do struggle to maintain a healthy life. Like it's, it's something that we have to be intentional about. Uh, we need to guard our health. We need to protect our health. We need to maintain our health. And as much as this is true with physical health, I think this is also true with spiritual health as well. Many Christians, especially in the beginning of the year, they make resolutions such as, you know, I'm going to read through the Bible. I'm going to follow uh, this Bible app, the plan. I'm going to be faithful every single day. We make decisions saying that I'm going to devote myself to prayer and fasting. I'm going to be involved in community. And we have all these different things um, that we have on our list because we believe that it is important for us to stay spiritually healthy. We know that that is something that is of great value. At the same time, we also know that it is very difficult to maintain a good, healthy, spiritual life. And so 1 Timothy chapter 4 really addresses this issue. The first five verses, last week we looked at those verses. We saw that in the church of Ephesus, there were a group of false teachers who were teaching false doctrine. And one of the false doctrines was this. It was asceticism. And what that simply was is if you avoid marriage, if you don't eat certain foods, then you are more holy than other people, that you are a better Christian than others. So in order to be approved by God, people were abstaining from all these different things. And Paul tells Timothy, that type of teaching is not just bad teaching, it is actually demonic. It is satanic. It is deceitful. Why? Because God is a good God. And he wants us to enjoy the good gifts that he gives us in our life. He is the giver of good gifts. So instead of staying away from these good gifts, we ought to prayfully, biblically, and also gratefully receive these good gifts and enjoy these gifts in our life. 
And this raises the question, okay, so if asceticism, if staying away from certain things is not the way to godliness or holiness, then what is the right way? What is the right approach? How can we live a life that's honoring to God? How can we be good servants for Jesus Christ? That's the question that's being addressed in today's passage. And today's text gives us two things, two simple things. If you want a good, healthy, spiritual life, if you want to be a good servant for the Lord, you need to do two things. Number one is this. You need to have a healthy spiritual diet. A healthy spiritual diet. Look at verse 6 and 7. It says this. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. So again, the issue is brought up. Paul is mentioning how within the church, there are people who are, who are deceiving people with some bad teaching, false doctrine. These are silly these are irreverent. These are things that are not good for, for our walk with Jesus. And so he says, stay away from these things. So what does it mean to have a good spiritual diet? Number one is it means that you stay away from spiritual junk food. And you might be wondering, what is spiritual junk food, right? Well, I personally have a hard time with junk food. I mean, I love junk food. Like, give me soda, give me candy, give me chips. Like, I, I love those different things. Why do I like it? Like, well, it tastes good. Like, I, I say I'm going to just have a couple chips, and the next thing you know, like, I finish the bag, right? Junk food is called junk food because it tastes good, but it has empty calories. It, it doesn't have any nutritional value. Like, it might fill your stomach for a, a, a couple hours, but it doesn't really add on anything to your overall health. It actually kind of hinders your, your health, right? It is not good in the long run. And the same is true with spiritual junk food. Spiritual junk food are things, teachings, that are pleasant at the moment, but are things that are not good for your spirit in the long run. Things that you do because you feel like it's delightful, but things that have long-term consequences, you know, many people wonder why they're struggling spiritually while on a daily basis they are indulging in spiritual junk food. Now for us, we don't necessarily have false teachers within the church. Maybe that is a possibility. I know many churches, many pastors, teachers, they actually preach in a way that is not necessarily healthy for the congregation. What they would do is this. They would sugarcoat the message. They would sugarcoat the word of God. They would leave out ideas like sin, Never talk about sin, never talk about repentance, never mention the fact that you need to deny yourself to follow Jesus, you need to take up the cross, never deny the fact that it is actually costly to walk the Christian life. All they would say is actually, God loves you, you can do whatever you want to do, you know, God is going to forgive you, just live your life. The prosperity gospel is probably one of these things where it teaches you that it's that that blessings will flow into your life regardless of how you live. And it, it points the finger to the blessings rather than the, the giver of all blessings. So I think in different contexts, like we have churches, we have teachers, pastors who are misleading people with spiritual junk food. You know, I always, always remind myself, you know, instead of a juicy illustration, instead of something that is, is, is good to the years, I want to serve up healthy food. Now, if I'm just preaching one time, I might 
include some MSG. I must include some sugar uh, in it. But if I want my congregation to grow in a healthy way, to grow spiritually, I recognize that I have to use good ingredients. And what is that good ingredient? It is the Word of God. The Word of God is what's going to bring nourishment to our, our spirit. I think another way that we indulge in spiritual junk food is through all the content that's, that's out there, the media, the, the mainstream media, the social media, binge-watching, um, Netflix, endless time on, on gaming, watching sports all day, um, spending hours and hours with texting and meaningless conversations. Now, I'm not saying that these things are bad, but if that is your main diet on a daily basis, if that's where you are receiving satisfaction and happiness and, and you are investing yourself so much in those things, like if you are spending hours and hours in this endless content that exists within the internet, then what you're doing is you're living off of spiritual junk food. And it's okay every now and then if you, if you, in a moderation, if you have like some candy or chips, but if that becomes your go-to diet, then there are long-term consequences um, that you will suffer in your walk with Jesus Christ. You know, people enjoy junk food at the moment, but down the road, they know that it is devastating to their health. In the same way, we need to be aware that the content that is out there, the daily exposure that, that we have, that it is, very, it is impacting our walk with, with Jesus. It's shaping us. It's molding us. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I actually went to the pool. Uh, we have a pool in our apartment. Uh, it's a small pool. And so and I, when I went there, there were two boys there. One boy was about six years old. And, and this guy, sweet guy, right? And Timothy, uh, he just turned five. So he's trying to get along uh, with, with Timothy. And he's having this conversation. I, and I'm, I'm tuning into this conversation. And, and the conversation is this. He's asking Timothy, hey, do you play Fortnite? Like, this is someone who's six years old, like, and, or, like, or like, hey, like, do, you have, do you have a number that I can message you later on? Like, and, and I'm like, wait, what's going on? I thought we were going to talk about, like, you know, do you swim or like, what kind of fruit do you like? I don't know. But like, what's happening? Right? What's leading our children to think in a certain way? Like, you know, I think one thing that we don't realize is that the exposure that we have to all this content it shapes us and mold, molds us. And it's not just with adults. I mean, my children, it's also with adults. Like, if you are constantly tuning in to people who are so angry at society, so angry at what everything, everyone else does, what happens to your soul is you're always going to be mad and angry at other people. If you're tuning in and you're surrounded by people who are always ungrateful, your heart is going to be ungrateful. Like, if you are tuning in to all these different teachings that go against godliness according to God's word, then, then you're going you're gonna to be confused when it comes to how you ought to live your life. And so we can't neglect the fact that spiritual junk food does have a clear impact on our life. But just staying away from spiritual junk food is not the solution. As you are staying away from all this stuff, what you have to do is you have to feast on the word of God. That, that's the food that you want. That's the food that's going to nourish your, your body. It says in verse 6, If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith 
and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Now, the word train is going to appear later on, but this is actually a different Greek word. It means literally to be nourished. So being nourished in the words of faith and of good doctrine. So what Paul is saying is, as you are staying away from the spiritual junk food, you have to feast on the good food, the food that has all the nutrients, the food that gives you nourishment so that you can grow in your walk with Jesus. And that food is the word of God. Be trained, be nourished with the word of God. So how is your diet on a daily basis? Are you feasting on spiritual junk food or are you really feasting on scripture, the the perfect, pure word of God? I think one reason why we struggle to have an appetite for God's word is because on a daily basis, we are so full of junk food. Like that, this happens with my kids all the time. If they are snacking all the time, eating up all these calories, they never want to eat the proper meal. And the same is true. Like if we are snacking throughout the week, throughout our day, on, and it's time for you to read God's word, it's like, man, I already am full with all these ideologies, philosophies, and, and, and teachings of this world. It's like you, you feel indifferent about God's word. So what do we have to do? We need to protect our time within God's word. We need to be intentional throughout the day to spend time, meaningful time, in God's word. Now, anyone I look up to that I feel like is living a godly life, who is really having an influence over other people, there's one common factor that I see among all the people that I respect spiritually. It's the fact that they protect their time with the Lord that they are intentional about growing in the Word of God. They read the Word of God. They meditate on the Word of God. They memorize the Word of God. They pray in line with God's Word. They put themselves in different groups so that they can discuss God's Word. They come out in community on Sundays to to learn more about God's Word. So they are very intentional about God's Word. They also teach God's Word, which forces you to learn more of God's Word. And so constantly have a steady diet of God's Word. And that's going to help you grow spiritually. That's going to strengthen you, and that's going to make your walk with Jesus more steady down the road. So a healthy spiritual diet is what we need if we want to be a good servant for Jesus Christ. The second thing that we need to do is we need to train ourselves in godliness. We need to train ourselves in godliness. After a spiritual diet, we need spiritual discipline. It says in verse 7, in the middle of verse 7, rather train yourself for godliness, verse 8, for while bodily training is of some value— Godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So a lot in that one verse. I think uh, some people, when they're reading verse 8, and they're reading, okay, bodily training is of some value, they're thinking, well, good, because I work out a lot and I'm glad that there is some value to it. Some people, if you're, if you're not really big on working out, you're reading that and it's like, good, because you know, it only has some value. It's not that significant. But I think what Paul is doing here is he's putting physical exercise, you know, bodily training in its right place. What he's saying is it has some value. It shouldn't be idolized. It shouldn't be something that is at the center of your life. Like just looking good, feeling good, just working out your body. It should never become an idol to the point where you are not taking care of your walk with the Lord because you're so invested in all these physical things. At the same time, the Bible is making it very clear that this physical exercise is not something that should be ignored because it clearly says there is some value to this. 
And our body is a temple. I think it's important that, that we take care of our body, that we are physically rested and, and ready. Uh, even Jesus slept. And he, 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 we know that our fatigue, um, our physical condition has an impact on our spiritual walk. When we are tired, we are grumpy and we are unthankful. And so we know that it's not just good to leave our body alone. But the point that Paul is trying to make is this. Although physical exercise has some value, Training for godliness, it has eternal value. It has value in every way. This doesn't just impact certain areas of your life. It impacts every aspect of your life. The word train in verse 7, it's the Greek word gymnazo, which is where we get our English word gymnasium. So it's the idea of exercising, training. In other words, godliness is not just something that you are given the moment of your salvation. It's something that you train up to. It's something that you pursue. It's something that you work hard for. It's something that you grow in. And why should we pursue godliness? Why should we train ourselves to godliness? By the way, what is godliness? Godliness is simply looking like Jesus. It's looking like God, displaying his character. When people see you, they don't just see your sinful self, but they see things that are godly, that are honoring to God. And so we train ourselves to walk in the ways of Jesus. That is godliness. And why do we do this? It's because there is eternal, supreme value in doing so. It says in verse 9 and 10, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the savior of all people, especially of those who believe. So here's why we ought to take godliness seriously. It says it's because we believe in the living God and he is our hope. If this world is all that there is to life, then there's no reason why we should pursue godliness. We should concentrate on the physical things. But is there, if there is a life that comes after this life, a life of eternity, and what you take into that life is not necessarily your physical things, but is your spiritual walk with the Lord, then you'd want to invest in what is eternal, what is spiritual. And the other thing that the Bible is saying is this. When you walk in godliness, you are actually representing God's kingdom. No, I love the Olympics. I love watching the Olympics. I love watching interviews of those who are attending and participating in the Olympics. I'm fascinated with all their stories. They literally train for four years, some of them for eight, 12 years, just to get a chance to compete in the Olympics. And you might think, well, if they win a gold medal, they'll, they'll win a fortune. Well, they do get some good money, but it's not like, you know, they get, like, they're set for the rest of their lives. Most people, most athletes would say this. The reason why I participate in the Olympics is because I want to represent my country. Like, I want to bring honor to my country. It is a joy for me to have this, the, the, our, our flag on, 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 my, on, on my uniform. It's a joy for me when I'm, I get first place, that I hear the national anthem. Like, it brings incredible joy and also glory to my nation. The same is true with the Christian life. The moment you become a Christian, what God says is you are on my team, that you are now part of the kingdom, that not only are you part of the kingdom, but you represent the kingdom. And you can represent the kingdom as a faithful soldier, soldier and an athlete. And when you run this race and you devote yourself to these practices, at the end of the day, what happens is it brings glory to God. 
It is a joy that we can honor God and reflect who he is on a daily basis. So we pursue godliness, number one, for God's glory. Like, we can reflect God's glory, but number two is it's actually also good for us. It's for our good. So it's for God's glory. It's also for our good. It says in verse 15, after Paul explains and reiterates how Timothy ought to embrace um, sound doctrine, devote himself to, to godly teaching, and, and, and submit to the teachings of God's word, and to devote himself to godliness, this is what he says. Practice these things, verse 15. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. In other words, as Timothy is devoting himself to a good, healthy diet in God's word, as he is practicing this this. this spiritual discipline, in, in growing in spiritual godliness, what it says is he's seeing progress, that he's growing spiritually, that his spiritual muscles are getting stronger, that he's becoming um, stronger and stronger where he can do more things for the glory of God. You know, when people rank the greatest athlete um, in history, always um, the name that comes up in the top of the list, I think most lists I checked, um, this person was number one. It's, it's Michael Jordan. Like, I know f- for the young people, it's LeBron James. But before there was LeBron James 2023, 20, there was Michael Jordan, the GOAT, uh, who wore number 23, six NBA final appearances, six NBA fi- uh, championships, six NBA final MVPs, uh, five NBA regular season MVPs, 10 scoring titles. The list goes on and on and on. And so if you don't know who Michael Jordan is, I would encourage you to Google, Google him uh, or look up. Um, he is like, really, like when it comes to athletes, like he is the standard. Even Kobe Bryant like stole all Michael's moves, right? Um, but you might think the reason why he's the greatest athlete is because he was just born with supernatural talents, that he can jump higher than other people, he can run faster than other people, that he has just this natural skill and, and, and physique where he can utilize his, his, his physical giftings for the game. But did you know that Michael Jordan did not make his high school varsity team in his sophomore year? And, and that's a big deal if someone is going to the NBA. If you don't make the varsity team by sophomore year, most likely, like, you're not good enough to go into the NBA. Because most people, right, like, if you're good enough for the NBA, you're playing in the varsity team, like, your freshman year, your sophomore year, for sure. Uh, there was a guy who, who outplayed Michael, who was taller than Michael in his sophomore year. And Michael Jordan took that to the heart. And later on, when he, he went to the University of North Carolina, he had an interview with the assistant coach, uh, Roy Williams, and, and he said, I want to be the best NBA player. And, and he said, I know that no one will ever work as hard as I work. And so when Michael Jordan does an interview about his success, he doesn't simply speak of talent. He always speaks of the training that he put in to be the best of his sport. I think that's, that sends a message to us, Right? And this is true with any other sport. Like, you see athletes who are really freakish, people who can do supernatural things, things that they jump higher than everyone else, they're stronger than everyone else, but do they become the greatest athlete of all time? No, they don't. If you think about the people who who have a long career, who have success, they're always the people who are devoted to what they do, who have the focus. They don't eat whatever that's on their plate. They have a steady, clean diet. They don't take a day off. They're the first one in the gym and the last one to leave the gym. It's because training has value, and the same is true for our walk with Jesus when it comes to godliness. 
Training has value. It builds us up. It works. It makes us stronger. Now, for some of you, you might say, well, but it's so hard in the very beginning. Everything is hard in the beginning, right? When you try to play the piano, play the guitar, nothing is easy. Like you're stretching your fingers. You're trying to press the F chord. It's so difficult, but, but you, you, you still discipline yourself. You force yourself to repeat those things. You practice your skills, and you know what happens? Discipline becomes a delight. Discipline becomes a delight. Like someone who has discipline in music can enjoy music. Like the same is true with food, right? I, I remember the first time, like, you know, I, I, I had seafood. I hated it. Like for the longest time, I didn't eat fish. I didn't eat seafood. Like it was just something that I, I, I didn't find pleasing. Um, but at the same time, I felt like, you know, so many people eat seafood. seafood. I'm, I think down the road, maybe if I go on missions, I might have to eat seafood. I, I shouldn't complain about, like, different foods. So I should force myself to learn how to eat seafood. So I literally put myself out there. I was like, okay, I'm going to try whatever food. And then one day I had, I had different foods, and then I had sushi. It was kind of weird at first, like the texture, like slimy. But the more and more I ate sushi, that spiritual discipline became like a delight. Right? It, I, I learned how to enjoy, enjoy the, the, the sushi and different foods. The same is true with God's word. I think it's going to be really difficult in the beginning. That's why I think it's always a good idea to start small, start with other people, like introduce yourself to this. But the more and more you expose yourself to the very word of God, the spiritual food that you need for your soul, the spiritual discipline is going to one day turn into a delight. So don't give up. You have to start somewhere. So start now. I think the other thing that's really great about spiritual fitness is this. When you work out like, and you feel good about yourself, you get bigger, the old clothes that you used to wear, they don't fit. Even if you try to force yourself into those clothes, you don't, you, like, because you're bigger, you're stronger, like, they don't fit. And so you need new clothes. The same thing happens in your walk with Jesus as well. Because when you are growing in your spiritual walk with the Lord and you are getting healthier, you're growing your spiritual muscles, what happens is your old self, your sinful nature, no longer fits on your body. Like, the things that you delighted before, the, the bad habits that you had, it's like you, you feel disgusted when, or it doesn't fit your lifestyle. That's the benefit. You don't have to force yourself to walk in godliness as you are training. Like it's, you don't want to like, indulge in those different things. Someone who is really good about their diet and, and really strict about their training, when they are forced to eat soda, it's like, no, this is disgusting. I think it's delightful, but they feel like it's disgusting. Why? Because their body is at a different place. Like it's made for a different type of clothes. Um, and so I think... Pursuing godliness, not only does it bring glory to God, but it's good for us. But the last thing I want to highlight is this. When we pursue godliness, it actually brings salvation to others. It brings salvation to others. Verse 16, it says this. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So Paul is telling Timothy, not only is this good for you and glory to God, but by doing all these things, people... They're going to hear the gospel, and they're going to be saved. Now, I know Paul, he's very clear in other places. He makes it very clear that salvation is a gracious gift that is given to us by God through Jesus Christ. So salvation, the source of salvation, it belongs to Jesus alone. There's no salvation apart from Jesus. However, how does God deliver this gift of salvation in Jesus Christ? He delivers it through people. 
That's what he says in Romans 10. He talks about faith comes through hearing, and hearing comes through the word of God. And how do you receive the word of God? Well, you receive the word of God if someone shares the word to you. How does someone share the word of God? Well, if someone has to go out their way to go and share the word of God. And so how beautiful are the feet who share the good news. And so we see that not only is this good for us as we are going, growing in our godliness and as we are being saturated with God's word, not only is it beneficial for us, but it actually has an incredible impact on the people around us. I think the real reason why we struggle to, to live in godly discipline we struggle to really feast on God's word is because we don't have any urgency. That, that you're not an athlete that's preparing for the Olympics. You don't feel like you're a soldier who's, who's ready to go to war. You just feel like you're a civilian who, who just lives day to day. But did you know that the moment you receive Jesus Christ, that God places an incredible mission on your life? And he says, now I want you to live not for your own self, but for the Great Commission. Through you, I want you to make disciples of all nations, baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them all that I have commanded you. Be a witness to the ends of the earth. You don't need good spiritual health if your agenda in life is just to get through the day. But if your agenda in life is to represent God on a daily basis, if you have people who you know are going straight to eternal judgment because they do not believe in Jesus Christ, then you have this urgency and you want to have a positive impact on that. You want to share the gospel with them. Maybe it could be a family member, a friend. And when you are trying to do things that are outside of your control, that's when you begin to rely on the power of God. And when you're thinking about doing missions, sharing the name of Jesus among the nations, like in places that never heard the name of Jesus, that can be only done by the grace of God. I think the reason why we don't have this urgency is because we forget that we actually have a mission. If we have a mission, then there's a reason to train. Athletes train because there's the Olympics. We train, we care about our diet because we have a mission to accomplish. And some of you might say, well, I'm not there yet, or maybe... I just, I'm not born with this natural talent to, to live out the Great Commission, to have influence on other people. Did you know that the moment you believe in Jesus Christ, something magical happens in your life? That God, he not only upgrades your life, but he makes you a new creation. That is no longer you that lives, but it's Christ who lives in you. In other words, in your life, you have the DNA of Jesus Christ, the perfect DNA for godliness. Now, it's there you have the perfect DNA, but now you have to train yourself so that you can live up to your perfect potential. It will be a waste if you are gifted. If, you're, if your dad was a basketball player, maybe six foot nine, like 230 pounds, like has hops where like he can jump through the, through the roof. Your mom is super athletic as well, and you don't do anything with that God-given DNA, right? You just don't do anything physically. You don't try to train yourself or do anything with um, the, 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 the physical gifting that you have received. In the same way, God has gifted us with all the spiritual DNA in Christ Jesus, and it will be such a waste if we simply are satisfied with living day to day, just getting through the day, having a higher pay, pay, um, payroll, you know, having a better life. If that's our agenda, then we don't need godliness. But if our agenda is clarified through God's word, if it's the Great Commission, then we pursue godliness by cleaning up our diet, 
by staying away from spiritual junk food and also training ourselves in the image of God. Amen? So let's do that today. Let's pray.